0: Um, so another beautiful day in Astoria, Oregon. Everybody is in a super good mood. It's just amazing, like, how nice the weather can be in the middle of February around here. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday, but still, everybody who's coming into the store, everybody who you talk to, they all have the same thing to say. Man, what a gorgeous day. Too bad you're working, you know, and that's the case. It is too bad I'm working. I don't even, like, I guess I could find some stuff to do out in the yard, but for the most part, I usually work at the counter, and yeah, today's the day that I really wish I was working in the yard. So, good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you all today. Let's see, where are we up to? 18 people. Um, You know I never ask you guys to like the videos or to share or do any of that stuff, but when it comes to these live streams, if you could give it the thumbs up, that would be awesome. It really helps to get the um, the video out there with the algorithm, gets it moving, gets more people into the uh, into the live stream and talking. So, very much appreciated. Hey, All Nighter, thank you very much for being here, guys. So, let's talk a little bit about this corporate greed. I hear it a lot that um, corporations are hiking prices simply to gouge the customer, and I could see that happening. In in some instances, but I can't imagine that being like the main culprit for the broad inflation or price inflation that everybody is seeing. Now, I can imagine that some corporations are probably pushing the limits a bit as far as as far as what they can get for their product. But really, you got to think everything comes down to competition, you know, like I work at a retail store, I sell lumber for a living and competition for lumber is fierce. You do not have a big profit margin when it comes to lumber. Surprisingly, lumber yards don't make a lot of money off of lumber. Really where they make their lumber or make their money is by selling the things that put lumber together, the nails, the screws, the, all the sidings and windows and doors, not even windows so much, but all the different parts and components that go to put lumber together—that's really where the profit is. And if you're trying to sell like a house package, if you miss out on the hardware, you are missing out on a huge chunk of the profit that comes from comes from building a home. But like a two by four, selling it for ten dollars—that is not—that is not like. The retailers, the distributors, the manufacturers, they are not trying to price gouge at $10 a stick because you're not selling a whole lot at $10 a stick. And now if you are moving lots of lots of lumber, lots of transactions, that's really where profit gets made. Now, if you sell a hundred two by fours at $3 a piece, it's a $350 bill. You could probably do that several times a day. But if you sell 102 2x4s and it's a $1,000 bill, good luck. You're not going to be selling a whole lot. So this is really where price gouging is not going to be very likely, at least in the lumber industry, just because there's so much competition out there. The moment that you try to keep your prices elevated, you stop selling lumber because all the competitors out there are starting to drop them. So it makes it very difficult to try and be in a price gouging position, especially down at the lumber retail side of things. Now, there is stories that I have heard of like lumber brokers who have teamed up. Now, this is, again, it's all rumors, but they team up and like, say, buy the entire lot of a couple of different mills. Well, this leaves the amount of availability out there very limited and it starts driving the prices up. So if this limitation of availability is driving the prices up, the moment that the prices move up, those who had purchased ahead of time had per, you know pretty much bought up that lot the the over amount, now they're dumping it out there on the market at a higher price. There is manipulation stories that I've heard of stuff like that, but that isn't exactly like price gouging. That's like, you know, price gouging would mean that all the distributors, all the manufacturers, all the retailers together went like, hey, You know what we're gonna do we're gonna run these prices way up and then they're just gonna force the customer to have to pay it if that's the case then you don't move much lumber right so really is there price gouging taking place when that happens I have a tendency to disagree a little bit with that you know can it happen sure but I just don't see the broad price inflation taking place right now as a form of price gouging from these major corporations you know, anyway, that's my, my take on it. What are you guys talking about today? Let's see 118 of you up in here. Love it. Love to see you guys here. Uh, let's see here. Price gouging and capitalism mixed like oil and water. <laughs> yeah, right? Because the competition just doesn't allow it to happen. All right. Rate, rate hikes will be slowly dragged out and the Fed target will be 3% to 4%. This will take a good five to six years. Basically, people are now buying depreciating assets for some years, like houses. Wow. Well, yeah. Um, I could really see something like that happening. I could see where houses would stop going up, even can go down in a lot of areas, especially overheated areas like where I live. I could really see where prices could come down. Um, I mean, I'm looking at like the price that I paid for my house. It just it kind of just turns my stomach to think about it but uh you know it is a done deal and it was cheaper than rent and so i could either have left my area which i very much considered or i buy an expensive home and it took just about everything i could do to get in there so we'll see what happens over the next couple of years i don't really plan on going anywhere so you know i mean if the price does drop on the house i mean it is what it is they made me put a pretty substantial down payment on it, at least in my opinion, it was a fairly decent down payment. So even if the prices do go down a ways, they would have to drop, you know, quite a ways before I go underwater. The first house I purchased, I put no money down, and it literally went underwater like within months after I purchased it. So of course this one <laughs> this one's not too far off from the original story that I had, but anyway, let's move on. I don't want to talk about my house. <laughs> the problem is most core corporations companies are colluding now to bring in the great reset they don't care about profits that okay i could see it happening i i i mean i could see it being a possibility but to have that sort of coordination on such a broad level i i it, it that would be difficult for me to to believe only because like if you just took it from like say the the lumber industry. If all these mills decided at the same time they're like hey guys, let's do this. Let's let's like gouge the customer. I would be the one mill that would do it cheaper than anybody else. I'd be like, "Uh yeah, you guys go ahead and gouge the customer. I'm going to go ahead and make as much money as I can while you guys are trying to gouge." I mean, that's that's what I would do, you know. All right. Here in central Illinois, we got a house under construction. The wood has turned gray and no trusses on the roof. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about this kind of situation. How serious is weathered framing? Um, Lumber grays out very fast. So if, I mean, I've seen lumber start to gray in literally like in a matter of weeks. Um, If it's really dark gray, like it's been sitting out for a long time, well, then you start getting that silver color over the top of it. Pretty soon you're going to start getting mold and then, the rot will begin to start, will start in on it. But as far as just churning gray, that's oxida- o- oxidization taking place. And it's not, it's not like ruining the integrity of the wood. It's usually due to like, you know, being beaten on by the sun or just being weathered or whatever. Um, if it continues on for any length of time, then yes, it can damage. But just starting to churn gray is not, is not really as big of a deal as, as it might seem. Um, If it carries on, it will be. UE, your title is exactly how Democrats want to spin to take heat away from the policies they have enacted that caused this. Oh, I wouldn't know because I don't follow politics. So, okay. I believe you. Um, Only takes two to get the gouging ball rolling. It does, but again competition usually ends that pretty quickly so i mean if you get two of them who are raking you know driving up prices the third one would be like go for it, boys <laughs> right <laughs> you know that's what, i mean that would be me anyway i would be like you guys you guys go gouging all right and i'll be down here selling everything i have have you been following the meme stocks nope i haven't sorry guys uh all righty all right see you in a minute all nighter uh, greetings from West Palm Beach, Florida. Awesome greetings! Nice to meet you guys. I've been—I've seen more buildings framed with metal studs because of how expensive lumber has gotten. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the metal studs to start picking up pace around here. We've had a few people ask about it, but not a lot of people are using metal studs. Unless it's like commercial. Commercial, you know, uses a lot more of the metal studs. But actually, building an entire house out of metal studs, I haven't seen it happen yet. Uh, yeah, but the problem, Simon, is that in many areas that isn't sufficient competition, there are more monopolies. Mo- monopolies. Um, yeah, I can believe it. Are you bracing for more shortages or price hikes? Yeah. Uh, Um, in what way, like, I'm not not really bracing for shortages that haven't already existed. Like, at some point, you're going to find that availability is going to start coming back. I mean, unless you just, I mean, I don't know, maybe they will plan on just keeping, you know, supply chain bottlenecks and shortages and stuff like that forever. I mean, the longer you keep it that way, the farther the Federal Reserve can raise their interest rates, right? I mean, It's not like the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates to try and fix a supply chain breakdown, right? But that's the problem with the prices right now is that you can't get supply to transfer through or distribute through the economy properly. So here you have a problem with distribution that's causing prices to go up and the Federal Reserve is going to fix that by causing interest rates to go up, making it more difficult to take out loans, making it harder to purchase things and that's going to fix the supply chain breakdown. I mean, I can see where it will slow economic activity, which is already slowing down. So we can blame like the lifting of interest rates on that, but it's already slowing down. So in my opinion, everything that the Federal Reserve is going to do to try and fix the inflation, the the price increases or whatever is is bogus. It's not it's not real. It's just a way for them to get their ammo back what's going to fix the price inflation and all the, the you know the issues with that is going to be like getting rid of all the restrictions getting rid of like the mandates making it available for people to travel freely and do business in the way that they feel is best but when you have like you know like you can't drive that truck but you can only drive these trucks That's going to limit the amount of availability that's going to happen out there. And if you have the the availability limited, then you're going to have supply chain breakdowns or supply and demand issues and prices will go up. Hey, thank you very much for the super chat. Pooping while standing. Great name. All right. Uh, Would you pay cash for a home knowing it would deplete your brokerage account by half and be 15 years away from retirement or get a mortgage or wait... Okay, I do not give financial advice, this is not financial advice, what I would do in that situation is I would continue to make your payments, I would take all that money that you were planning on doing for cash and I would put it into an investment that would gain somewhere around 10% and in 15 years or so you would probably have so much money in that account that it might even just pay for the entire house. So. No, I wouldn't pay cash for a house right now. I would take out a 4% mortgage and then I would invest the rest of that money into something that hopefully would be somewhat secure and safe around 10% is what I would guess and try and have that produce a, you know, a sufficient amount of capital to pay for the house. Um, that's the way I would probably try and go about it. Um, But that's not financial advice. That's just me kind of giving you my opinion. All right. 235 of you guys. 75 likes. Thank you so much. Hey, 235 people, please go and like the video. Help me get the uh, algorithm spread out there. We'll get this video moving. I'm going to be out here for another probably 20 minutes or so. And unless you guys just stop asking questions and I'll go. But (laughs) All right. Let's see here. Dennis, you have to think about the missed opportunity. That's exactly right. I think interest rates will increase more frequently and get greater increments after the midterms. Hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, I could really see interest rates going up and staying elevated for a while. Um, You know, one of the things that people really just don't know anymore in this country is savings, like to actually have a savings account, one that collected an interest rate off of it. I mean, this is something that used to be a very common practice amongst, like, you know, I'm 45, so like my parents would, you know, could have been in a in a position in which that, you know, buying like CDs or something would pay like seven percent. That's a that's awesome. I mean, people would love to have an investment that does seven percent on a you know to be secured in a seven percent you know, investment. And now there is no place that you can get something like that without taking on risk. There used to be like no risk involved in something like that. But um, those days are gone. But if interest rates were to rise and continually rise, which they probably won't, but if they did, then all of a sudden you can have an environment in which that you can have savers again. And the country was really built and had a strong economy when you had production and savings. Right now we have, debt and consumption. So if that was the shift, that's pretty cool. We would have like a whole different type of economic environment to be in. I don't think it'll happen, but it's fun to think about. Hey, right on another super chat from John. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I will do my best to be out here doing what I do for you guys. I mean, you know, you encourage me as, as much as I appreciate it or, you know, as much as you guys appreciate it. And I just, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is what we do, guys, you know. Uh, UE, any thoughts on this unscheduled meeting that the feds are having tomorrow on the interest rate hike? It was said that that they was waiting till mid-March for this, but seems like it could happen soon. Okay. So what would be the point of having an emergency meeting and then coming out and stating that they are going to do something? Like, even if they were to say, Hey, we are raising rates right now, today, like Monday, we are doing it right now. What would be the point of doing that? Like, what would be the point of doing that as opposed to say, waiting four weeks? Because ultimately interest rate hikes won't have an impact on the economy for another six months the impact it'll have on the markets will be right away. So what is it the Federal Reserve is trying to do here? Are they really trying to combat like an inflationary scenario taking place in the economy? Or are they trying to manipulate the thoughts of the market? So we'll find out a little bit more tomorrow. I don't want to like assume what's going to be happening, but I'm guessing that what they're trying to do is trying to get the markets to behave in a certain direction. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that tomorrow. Credible threats, right? Uneducated economist, how does interest rates relate to broader economy? Well, it's okay. So just like anything, when you lift interest rates, you're tightening up the economy, you're making asset prices go down, you're getting it to the point where people are going to be fearful of spending their money on assets that they feel might go down in price. So you know, the Federal Reserve pretty much has two directions they can go. They can either either ease the monetary policy or they can tighten it. And if they tighten it, then that slows the economy down and depreciates assets. It, you know, basically uh, takes away the punch bowl, right? Takes away the party time. People need to start sobering up and they don't get to be as high, which is a bummer, right? Everybody likes being high. I don't know about likes being in high. I shouldn't say it like that. All right. Have you researched Project Hamilton? I haven't. Uh, Hello, Simon. Long time listener. Keep it up, buddy. I will. Thank you so much. Here, Let's see here. Here in Europe, ECB still insists that inflation is transitory. Well, I mean, that's again. Do you think that inflation, do you think that the, that the price inflation is going to last forever. I mean, that would be the question. Is it going to last forever? If it is, then the Federal Reserve gets to raise interest rates forever, right? I mean, that's the way it gets to go. I don't see that happening. At some point, there's going to be a turning. Whether people stop purchasing stuff and the inventory levels rise, prices start coming down, or the Federal Reserve reverses course, starts easing money monetary policy again, People get high on the drugs and go and spend that money again. Go take out debts and buy houses and cars and go into negative interest rates or whatever happens. So, I mean, those are really the two directions that it goes. Either you have to, like, tighten your belt, do more for less, or go get stoned. (laughs) I don't know why I put it like that. I shouldn't. I should find another way to relate the economy or debt instead of relating it to getting high. What do you think about XRP and the new global currency? You know, I have been listening. I, I don't talk a lot about Ripple or XRP or any of those things simply because it's it's all rumors, you know. Um, and I know a lot of people won't say that they're rumors, but they are. Only simply to, to the point that until I actually have seen like a real world usage of it. Now, I know people are going to be like, no, here's all kinds of examples of it. I'm talking about like me personally, like when I see it happen, you know, when I when I actually have an interaction with it taking place. Now, I know that's kind of kind of a weird way of looking at it, but it's really how I kind of search things out. Like, you know, if you see a real world thing happening with it, like somewhere outside of just like the news articles that you're reading or everybody kind of bringing it to you, all of a sudden you see some example of it out there. There has been so much talk about Ripple being, and XRP being like the currency of all the bankers and the central bankers and, uh, you know, cross-border transfers and stuff like that. I have yet to see a single mainstream article validating that. Like, I'm waiting for it. I'm looking for it. So, I don't follow into that as much as people probably wish I would, but again until i see that happen i'm still very leery of of that particular particular cryptocurrency sorry i wish i had a better answer for you guys uh, let's see here prices of homes have been a speculative bubble just like 2006 just wait for these rates to race to rise about two two and a quarter good luck getting any loans Oh, uh, let's see here. I hope the Ukraine thing is a bluster. I don't need an oil hike. Credit card debt gonna bite hard if hyperinflation hits. Uneducated economist, what do you think of GameStop? Any uh Any opinions? Um. So my opinion of of anytime you have like a major social push to try and, like, get people to buy into a particular direction, I have to back away from that. To me, those are pump and dumps. That's a pump and dump scheme that has taken place. And I was involved in a major one back in 2010-11 where I was following the Crash JP Morgan Buy Silver campaign where they were going to buy all the silver bullion, all the physical bullion up drive prices up to $500 an ounce. And it was going to crash JP Morgan. And I was so on board with it. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I bought silver at $35 an ounce, $40 an ounce. I was going to do it. We were like, we were marching to do this, right? I mean, it was part of uh, Max Kaiser's global insurrection against banker occupation. It was, I was pumped up. And then at $50 an ounce, I didn't sell any. And it started to drop, and it went all the way back down to eighteen dollars. And I had put more money into silver than I could have had in just cash. I was so upset with that, and I thought, man, I will never fall for another pump and dump scheme like that again. So anytime I hear somebody pumping something up, it is probably I am probably the worst person to ask because I will immediately be like, nope, I ain't doing it. You know, especially if people are like, oh, this is gonna happen. You know, I back way off on that. All right, uh, dumb entry level getting 19 an hour in Tennessee. Uh, silver fan 21, dollar cost averaging always works better than trying to time the markets. Absolutely, it is. I totally agree. Uh, dollar cost averaging by far is probably the best way to, to get into. Any kind of like speculation type of asset, gold or silver or cryptos or anything like that, if you can dollar cost average into it, and at least in my opinion, that's the best way to go about it. And there's more calls of GME than uh, shares outstanding. Yeah, I can believe it. Um, Let's see here. Did you see Bank of Japan is committed to unlimited buying... 25 year bonds. Yeah, um I can believe that. I mean, Japan has been in a state of like quantitative easing for like 20 years, haven't they? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Silver was 14, I made 11. Now it's 20 and I make 19. What's changed? Uh, I'm not sure. I bonds great place to keep cash. Um I don't know. I'm I'm I get nervous about tie my money up in government institutions. I mean, it's, I guess it is, a. I guess it is, you know, somewhat of a safe place. I mean, I have very little doubt in my mind that U S treasury bonds will pay. So, you know, I, I don't really have much fear of that part of things. It's just being in the third party altogether. That usually concerns me the most. Hey, UE, what do you think about SP 500 funds over the next year or so, given rate hikes, could the reopening of the economy counterbalance the effects of increased rates? Well, I think that's probably the hope is that something like that will take place, that they can uh, raise the rates at the same time, free up the restrictions in the economy, getting more people spending money, and hopefully counterbalance that. I think that's probably a a strategy that they're trying to push, um, or at least they're going to try and attempt to do. Um, How effective that will be is another question. Hey, Yui, how is it going? Which coin did Freddy take of the two beasts? Which one did he end up taking? I can't remember. I'll have to ask him again. Um, (laughs) I can't remember which one he chose. (sighs) But thank you so much for those too. They were they were awesome. Freddie was very pumped up to see those things. Uh, big spending in Ireland via massive grants from EU for wind energy. Don't know if that's that is or could be as profitable as oil. Wind isn't finite, right? Huh? No problem. Oh. In Canada, home development outgrew Canada population growth. That tells you who is driving the shortages. Uh, Let's see here. No leverage for me. Not going to start now. Debt-free. I am building cash reserves for the next buying opportunity. Well, good for you, man. Good for you, Dennis. That is the way to go about it. Anytime that you can have a nice cash holdings, you know, the dry powder for a downturn to be able to buy up those things that go on sale, that's really how you make the money. That's, you know, that's where, like, you know, I mean, I remember, what was it? Uh, old Buffett, what did he say? Um, you don't make your money by diversifying. You put all your money into one thing. That's how you make it rich. You know, and that's where you find your opportunities is when you have that cash holdings and you see that you know that drop or that buying opportunity that's that's when you're able to jump in. you know it's amazing on how many times I said, man that would have been a good idea to get in on that but I didn't have any money at the time and and you miss out like you know back in the day when I was first looking at Bitcoin I mean, I didn't have any money. I was, my house was going into foreclosure, it was bankrupt, you know, pretty much bankrupt. I didn't actually declare bankruptcy, but I had like no money. And so even buying like $18 worth of Bitcoin seemed like, you know, a bit much at the time. And I never did get my Bitcoin anyway. Um, so, and had I bought Bitcoin back then, it would have been a bummer because that computer that I would had the wallet on ended up crashing. So I would have had one of those stories anyways i got plenty of crypto stories. I've had like all my crypto stolen from me from a crooked exchange at one time. That was that was a real bummer. Hit the like button, people. Yes, please do so. Get the uh, algorithm spread around there. I have probably about... Uh, I can give you guys probably about another 5 to 10 minutes here or so. And then I'm going to have to go back to work. Alright. Stop wasting your money on stupid I-bonds. If you only have 20000 and partner with people who do... We just bought six garage property and rent them all out. Tax-free cash flow. Hmm. Uh, did Omar... Omarava... What are you trying to say? Omarava get appointed to... Com- oh, I'm saying... I, I don't know. Did they? I'm not sure. High Impact had video... High Impact had video showing a port... Of empty ships, boats in the harbor anchored. A lot of ships. Yeah. You know, like the ships that you see out here on this river, most of those are freighters who are coming in to pick up grain or logs. And then they take that back over. Mostly goes back over to 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 Asia to, to you know, China and Japan and Korea and stuff like that. But um I believe most of those ships come in empty. Like, I don't know if they come in loaded at all. Um, these aren't like the type of ships that carry containers. They're not like the contain- container shippers shipping cargo. Most of it's grain and logs. It's like agricultural products that they transfer. Are you buying into VDE or energy stocks given where oil and ng are headed been a hell of a sector rotation from the from tech um i personally am not um the only thing i really end up like buying as far as investments go is gold and silver cryptocurrencies i do own a little bit of stock portfolio um pretty much just to have some skin in the game um i have a portfolio that has the vanguard total stock market etf the Russell 1000 growth stock and uh, Altria, those are like the the three places that I that I put for the stock portfolio. And there's not much in there, but it does okay. Um, but that's pretty much where I go. And right now I'm just trying to build up more of a cash holdings since I pretty much spent all my cash trying to get into that dang house. So I don't really have a whole lot. I don't even barely have a savings right now. All right, cold storage wallets are the way to go with cryptos. 12 to 24 words is all you need to recover your funds, even if the wallet crashed. Uh, Should I sell all my BTC stocks and wait in cash? Thanks from Long Term Lurker. Um, Again, guys, I don't give financial advice, I don't give investing advice. Um, I personally have cryptocurrencies that I have been purchasing, and I have no intentions on selling any of it, or moving those cryptocurrencies in any way. I plan on holding on to them for the long run. If we have a crash in cryptocurrencies, so be it. I I will huddle along, you know. I'll hold on for dear life, and just like I always have, I'm not terribly concerned about where the price moves on those things. I'm just more wanting to be in the game Because I've already missed out on so many opportunities to have done very well in cryptocurrencies. So I'm, I'm done messing around with that stuff. I'm not getting out of it. I'm staying in, staying in for the long run. Can you go over the Moderna news? Um, no. Um, Simply because I just don't know anything about it. To, not enough to, to give you any kind of real information. I don't believe the Fed will raise rates. I think they will find an excuse to not raise rates. They're trying to scare all that free government money out of the stock market. Huh. That's an interesting thought. So like to try and get like economic activity moving scare people out of the stock market, but then where do they go? Like most people who are getting out of the stock market, like they don't really want to spend that money away. Like they just want to move it from the stock market to something else. So if they're trying to get like people out of the stock market, where are they trying to push them to? Are they trying to get them to push it into like purchasing, like going to consumerism? Or are they trying to get them to maybe buy into treasuries, like to try and fund the government some? Um... Like what would be, what would be the, uh, the idea behind that? Because like to me, the Federal Reserve is an attempt to try and raise the interest rates so that they'll have some sort of ammo to use during the next recession. Because that's ultimately how the Federal Reserve combats a downturn in the market is by dropping interest rates. And typically they would wanna drop it around 5%. There's no way they're even gonna remotely come close to, to 5%, especially on the Fed funds level. Um, that would tighten up the that would tighten up mon- monetary policies and restrict lending so much if they were to have the fed funds level at 5% that like i just really see like economic activity coming to almost a standstill but the threat of bringing it up there i mean i guess could get people Activated, You know, like uh, if they believe that the interest rates are going to be moving up that high, they may want to pull their money out of the stock market thinking that it's going to, you know, either slow down or crash. But what would be the point of that other than to get people to hold cash? I mean, typically you would want them to move into another direction. So anyway, let's see here. What time is it? 34 and a half minutes into this okay well guys I am really close here I have to go back to work question will you stay in Oregon or seek a freedom state Um, at this point I'm going to be staying in Oregon um, simply because I really love this area that's pretty much it Um, my networks here everybody I know is here Um, my family's here Uh, I don't, like, to move to a different area and to start over, like, with a job and establishing and doing all that stuff sounds very exciting to me, but I love this area. I I grew up here. I love the river. I love the people. I I, I mean, it's my home. And so to say, like, are you going to leave Oregon for a freedom state? I mean I could see the you know, the libertarian in me want wanting to do something like that. But the homebody says, you know, man, this is where this is where your home is. This is this is where you live. And so it's difficult for me to to pack up and just say, Hey, I'm gonna bail out of here. All right there is no freedom state just different degrees of slavery yeah that's that's true right. anyone who bought ammo after Trump won in 2016 has seen their ammo value increase by 10 times much better investment than gold and silver and will save you when the government tyranny is in full swing Um, yeah that's a pretty downer way of looking at it but I guess it's accurate very accurate (laughs) All right, one more guys, and then I'm gonna go. All right, have you ever read the Bitcoin Standard? Do you think Bitcoin will make it to a Bitcoin standard currency? Um, probably not, not um, like a like a gold standard kind of currency, but using Bitcoin instead. I I don't. Um, I could see Bitcoin getting being used as maybe a competition like a competitive currency but not on any kind of real major scale like i honestly think that bitcoin is going to be the currency of like corporations countries doing major transactions like the big ones like not your day-to-day buying a cup of coffee transactions but transactions of like major assets like you know houses or something like would be a small purchase for, for a Bitcoin. That's kind of how I see it. Um, but ultimately I think everything's going to be transferred to central bank digital currencies. I think in 10 years, like the idea of using cash is probably not, not going to be there. Like cash will be out of the system. It'll be so cumbersome and and difficult to, to try and use on a regular basis that cash is just simply just going to vanish from the system altogether Um, because ultimately what I feel the banks are going to do is they're going to charge you a fee to either withdraw or deposit cash that is going to match the negative interest rate that they apply to savings accounts of the average person. That is going to force people to spend their money or invest it. Like The idea of a savings when it comes to a central bank digital currencies and negative interest rates just simply won't be there. But Until that happens, I think that we are going to be moving into higher interest rates until until the system can't handle it anymore and it goes to crash and the people demand that Congress do something about it. And then who knows what they'll do. All right. I would love to hang out with you guys all day, but I got to go back to work. Uneducated economists. You guys let me know.